Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. But before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part one of his final study in the book of Revelation called The Spirit and the Bride Say Come. going to start back in Revelation 22.1 to set the context. And he showed me a river, Revelation 22.1, of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservant shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall no longer be any night, and there shall no long, they shall not have need of the light of a lamp nor of the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign, can you say it, God's people, forever and ever. And he said to me, and this is the second time that we're going to see this after an incredible promise about seeing the face of God, Eden being restored, all that man was supposed to be in fellowship with God, uh, all of the hope that we have placed in the person of Christ in the holy scriptures. There's a verification of their, you could say their veracity or their truthfulness. He said to me, these words, what you just read, are faithful and they are true. They are just like God. He is faithful and true. And these words that you just read are faithful and true because all scripture is inspired by God, right? And it is profitable. These words that you just read about, the new Jerusalem, the fact that you will see God's face if you've trusted in Christ, that there will no longer be any curse, no longer be any sin, no longer be any pain, no longer be any sorrow, no longer be any death, that you will see loved ones that have gone on before you in Christ. These words, they are faithful and they are true because it is impossible for God to lie. This is a prophecy to encourage God's people. And these words, and they, of course, in the immediate context, what we just read about the tree of life and seeing God's face, but really the whole book, these words are faithful and true. The whole Bible and the Lord the God of the spirits of the prophets or of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, when we started the book, I told you about a debate that is prevalent among uh, you could call scholars of the book of Revelation, there are some that believe in a preterist view. So whenever you see words like shortly or I'm coming quickly, they say that much of the book of Revelation could be applied to the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But the word here uh, for shortly, if you take a peek at verse 6, is two Greek words. It's entakos, and it means in haste. Uh, again, the word quickly is a form of that word. It's taku, T-A-C-H-U. 
And it means in haste, speedily, or swiftly. I mentioned to you that this is the where, where we get the word tachometer. And it speaks of speed or swiftness. Now, there are some who make the case that this means that from the time that Revelation was written, and their argument is that it had to be written before AD 70. After all, if it was about the fall of Jerusalem and it's a prophecy, it would have to be written before the fall. So they must date the book around 68 AD, AD or earlier. But the consensus of scholarship and what I believe is around 9095. And that would make it about the end times or the second coming of Jesus Christ. And here's how this goes with the idea of the tachometer and this Greek word. It means that when these events begin to unfold, they will happen with swiftness, or some would say rapidity, rapidness. That is, when we enter into Daniel's 70th week, the last seven years, recorded in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, and we are seeing Jesus break the seals and the end times events begin to unfold, they will unfold with swiftness. That's the idea of this language. And so Jesus says, I am coming swiftly, you could say, speedily. I believe believers will be prepared for this time, but unbelievers will not be prepared for this time. And they will be believing the lie. So John has just described the majesty, of we, as we've talked about, of the New Jerusalem in verses 1 through 5, its beauty, its majesty, its splendor. It's all centered around God and the beauty of his glory and the colors and the jewels. We all, hopefully you got a chance to be with us as we read about that, seeing his face. And now we are told about the swiftness of these events. When they unfold, they will unfold swiftly. This is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I want to just take you quickly to some verses that affirm that Jesus will come a second time. Just turn in your Bibles for a second to the book of John, John 14. I want to give you just a few go-to passages. Uh, many of these you'll be familiar with, but I think it's good just to remind ourselves. Jesus in the upper room, the night before he died, he was uh, talking to the disciples about not being troubled and trusting in God and in him. He said, in my father's house, John 14, 2, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. If there wasn't a heaven, I would have told you, said Jesus. But there is. And I go and prepare a place for you, John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come again, second coming, and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if you uh, flip ahead to the book of Acts, just a few pages to your right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you'll get, get to chapter one of the book of Acts. Just take a peek as Jesus is ascending into heaven. Here's what happens. Verse nine talks about the fact that he was lifted up in their sight, Acts 1, 9. A glory cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing, Acts 1, 10, intently into the sky while he was departing, Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come again in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. He will come again. There's your second coming. Jesus is coming again. The book of Acts teaches that. If you go to your right and turn over to the book of 1 
Corinthians, just pass up Romans, keep going to the right. You'll get to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As Paul addresses the Corinthian congregation, chapter 1, verse 7, he shares these words with them. He says, 1, 7, so that you are not, not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he is waiting until the time is right. He's there in resurrection, glory, and power right now at the place of majesty at the right hand of the Father, and he's waiting to come back. 1 Corinthians 4 is the next uh, section. I want you to look at verse 5. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul's talking about stewardship and fidelity to the gospel. And he says, therefore, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Wait until the Lord comes, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Go all the way to 1 Corinthians 15. As the Apostle Paul is teaching on the resurrection, he's going to mention the second coming. He does mention it a couple of different times in 1 Corinthians 15. But here's what he says about the second coming. He says, for 1 Corinthians 15, 22, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, 1523. But each in his order, Christ, the first fruits, he's talking about the resurrection. After that, those who are Christ's, what? At his coming. Then comes the end, says Paul. And then he talks about in 15, or excuse me, 25. He must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. And we've been reading about that in the book of Revelation. Go on to 1622. 1 Corinthians 1622 says, as Paul closes 1 Corinthians, he says, if anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed or anathema. And then he uses the word maranatha. You may have heard of maranatha music way back in the day. Uh, maranatha is a word that means, O oh Lord, come. Or we, we could just say it this way, come, Lord, or come, Lord Jesus. I believe the origin of the word is Aramaic. And Paul, closing 1 Corinthians, says Maranatha, or come, Lord Jesus. A couple more. Keep going to your right. You're going to get to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, several pages to the right. Chapter 4. We've looked at the uh, famous rapture passage in past studies just to cut to the chase, in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, 4.15, This we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep or died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, just like we read about in Acts 1, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, 4.16, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Praise God. Amen. A little bit more to your right is the book of Titus. Titus is a very practical book, but it also includes the second coming teaching, Titus 2. 
And we'll just uh, read verses 11 through 13. It says, For the grace of God, Titus 2.11, has appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, Titus 2.13, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's step closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text step closer as one word to 33222. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And the dead... In Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Praise God. A little bit more to your right is the book of Titus. Titus is a very practical book, but it also includes the second coming teaching, Titus 2. And we'll just uh, read verses 11 through 13. It says, For the grace of God, Titus 2.11, has appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, Titus 2.13, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And then one more, Hebrews 9, a little bit more to the right. Hebrews 9, we're going to look at verse 28. I think it's important to remind yourself of Hebrews 9.27. It's a critical verse, dispels a lot of false teaching including reincarnation, which is not true. But it does teach life after death. Hebrews 9.27 says, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes what? Comes the judgment. Now, it depends on where you stand, whether or not that's good news or not. 
So Christ also, Hebrews 9.28, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation or rescue without reference to sin to those who what? Who eagerly await him. Now that's just a small sampling of the teaching of the second coming in the book, uh, in the different books of the Bible. And we're talking about the second coming in Revelation. So we're going to turn back to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. So John has assured us of the truthfulness of the words inspired by the Spirit. We have the words, I am coming quickly, uh, in verse 7, a reference to the second coming. We talked about how it will happen swiftly or speedily. At least the events will happen quickly as compared to uh, man's history. And then it, it gives a blessing in 22.7 of Revelation. It says, blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. The only way you can heed the words is if you read the words. Amen? And the only way you can learn the words is if pastors are willing to teach the book of Revelation. And since the book of Revelation has a blessing attached to it, I would encourage you to spend a good amount of your time over the next decades as you walk with the Lord. Make sure that Revelation is part of your reading Make sure that it's part of your devotional reading. Make sure that you study the book. Blessed is he, earlier in chapter 1, who hears, heeds, reads, and heeds. And here, kind of a condensed version of that is uh, the same type of blessing. Blessed is the one who heeds. James says, don't just be a hearer, be what? A doer. If you heed something, it means you pay attention to it. You do it. You listen, and you obey. Now, John says, I, John, verse 8, chapter 22, Revelation, am the one who heard and saw these things. John's been uh, telling us all along, just uh, by way of refreshment, in 1-1, he identified himself, Revelation 1-1, 1-4, and 1-9. He says, I, John, am the one. I heard, I saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things? And all God's people said, oh, John, not again. <laughs> now, I've read some commentaries that say John was worshiping God, just happened to be at the feet of the angel. <laughs> well, that gives John the benefit of the doubt. And I love to give benefits of doubt, but I'm not sure that that's what is going on here because the angel says in the next verse, do not do that. <laughs> and this is the second time he's had to say that. John was a man, and he, I think he was overwhelmed by what he had received. He sensed that it was kind of coming to a conclusion, and so he was human. And so there he is. Uh, you know, you could argue he was worshiping God at the angel's feet, or as one writer put it, the response was correct, worship, but the object was wrong. The response, worship, is a good thing, but what you worship makes all the difference. And there are people who are worshiping idols, worshiping self, worshiping the sun, moon, and the stars, you name it, movie stars, rock stars, athletes. But who you worship ends up defining you. Everybody with me? The, and by the way, the object of worship makes all the difference, and God does care about what you worship. And this angel knows that. So he says, don't do that. There was another angel around these parts that tried to do that, and he got booted. And he ain't coming back. 
And so he says, don't do that, verse 9. I am a fellow servant. Angels are fellow servants of yours. Hebrews 1.14 calls them ministering spirits. And of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who, what? Heed the words of this book. And then he says, worship God. When the devil was tempting Jesus, that's what Jesus said. It's God alone you shall worship. Satan wanted worship. Just bow down, and I'll give you these things. And Jesus said, uh-uh. You worship God alone, and you serve him only. And so he said to me, do not, verse 10, seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let it be understood. Don't seal it up. It needs to be known. Now, in the book of Daniel, if you'll flip back to Daniel um, in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel is kind of the Old Testament book of Revelation, if you will, filled with a bunch of prophecy. Daniel is writing about the end days, Daniel 12, and he says these words. He's talking about the uh, second coming, the resurrection, the rapture, and so forth. And here's what he says. Daniel 12, 3, he says, those who have insight will shine brightly, 12, 3, like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Those who lead many to righteousness, those who influence others to the faith, if you will, like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, Daniel 12, 4, conceal these, close up, shut up these words, and seal up the book. Until when? Until the end of time or the time of the end. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Now, Daniel, in contrast to John, is told to seal up the book until the end of time. And then an interesting Bible verse. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. And some scholars of past decades believe that this had to do with the increase in travel, automobiles and trains and planes and rockets and people will go to and fro and you watch people on the freeway and if it, you know you ever watch something where they speed up the traffic people are going they go back and forth up and down back and forth up and down back. maybe that's how you feel right now that's my life back and forth back and forth forth and back well that's probably not the interpretation here You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was part one of his final study in Revelation called The Spirit and the Bride Say Come. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but now we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question about Revelation, the gospel, or anything that has to do with the Christian faith, please ask Pastor Michael, and he'd love to address your question in future programs. Do you have a friend asking you questions that you're not sure how to answer? Pastor Michael would love to help, so ask away. Email your question to the address answers at walkintruth.com. That's answers at walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, we had a question before us about how can I talk about God's love and his judgment and make it make sense to my friend? This is a great question. And here, let me put it simply. You know, God is loving, God is love, and God is just. How do you reconcile those two ideas? Here's a great image. Think about the love and the justice of God intersecting at the person of Jesus on the cross. Let me explain. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ's death on the cross is God's love 
on display at the cross, but it also says that God poured his wrath on Jesus. Keep reading in verses 9 and 10 of Romans 5, where Jesus takes God's wrath for us and saves us from his wrath. And you see God's justice on display at the cross. So here's what I would say. Say to your friend, hey, when Jesus is dying on the cross, you need to see two realities. God's love is being displayed for his creation and for you. And God's justice is being satisfied at the same moment on the same death instrument in the person of Christ as he dies on the cross. Love and justice meet at the cross. And that's the great explanation of the gospel. God loves you so much that he died for you, and sin is so serious that Jesus died for you. And that's how God's love and justice intersect in the gospel and at the cross. I think that's a great image and a great thing to remember as you present the hope of Jesus and why we need him, because sin is serious and it must be judged. Well, I want to talk to you about a marriage conference we have coming up. It's called I Do and Together We Will. It's happening on October 11th and 12th, and it's $20 per couple. Something you can register for if you're engaged or if you've been married for a while or newly married. This would be a great thing to work on your marriage. I Do and Together We Will. Sign up when you download the Living Truth app in your app store. It's only $20 a couple happening on the 11th and 12th of October. Sign up today and we'll see you there. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's study in Revelation 22 called The Spirit and the Bride Say Come. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.